Um, well, good morning, everybody. Good to see you. Go ahead and go to Luke chapter 12. And while you're going there, um, just want to tell you guys thank you. It's uh, really humbling um, just seeing how the Lord has put everything together. And um, I wish I had my... I did not bring my, uh, my video with me or, or anything. I'd show you everything that's going on um, and what the Lord is, is doing in, in Papua New Guinea. Uh, so right now we're at a church. If you look at a map, Papua New Guinea is kind of shaped like this. Uh, is this erasable? Okay. Uh, so you got Papua New Guinea is kind of like that. All right. And uh, then it goes on way up here like this. There's some islands out here. Um, and there's a bunch of islands out here. And there's one shaped like an L and then a bunch of other ones. All right, so this is Milne Bay province here. And uh, where we live, this is a bay. Where we live is a town of Alatau. Um, you guys are familiar with Brother Rob? Uh, of course, Sister Chloe uh, used to live there. And um, so we actually live right across the street. We rent a house across the street from where Brother Rob Boy was. And uh, we do the drive to East Cape. East Cape is right here. It's the tip of the tail of the mainland of Papua New Guinea. It's as far east as you can go on the mainland. And um, two years ago, Brother Amos and I started a church there. And uh, it's going well. The Lord's blessed. Uh, I don't know. I lost track how many we've seen saved. 30 between 30 and 40 people we've seen saved in the last two years. Um, it's amazing. And uh, even um, when we started the church, uh, just a couple months later, uh, there were some preachers that um, had a desire to be trained in the ministry. Uh, they, they, uh, one of them, he lives here, and uh, he got saved um, was grounded just a little bit and then had a burden, just went back, started reaching people in his village, um, but very, very raw in uh, his, his depth uh, in the scriptures. And so he asked me, he said, you know, uh, missionary, I want you to train me and, and so I can become a pastor. And so we started Bible school with him and then with Brother Amos as well. And um, then we have a, a couple others. But November, already they are, those two are set to be ordained. Uh, Brother Amos will pastor the church we started in November. And then Brother Brandon will go back and he will establish um, his little fellowship into a church. And so in the last, uh, the first Baptist church to be planted in uh, Milne Bay. Uh, so you got Milne Bay, which kind of, kind of runs like this. Okay, and then it's all these islands out through here. <clears throat> in 33 years, 33 years ago, the first church was started in Milne Bay, and that was in Alatau. All right, after 33 years, we have six, and I started the sixth one here at East Cape. And uh, by the end of the year, there should be a seventh here. And so uh, out of 150 islands just, you know, scattered throughout the province, You've got a church here, all right. You've got a church here that's struggling, not doesn't hasn't had a pastor in I don't know eight years or so. You'll have a church here. Um, there is a church here, 
right, this is good enough up here. So there is a church here, and then you have um, two others on the mainland, okay? And so by the end of this year, we should have seven, all right? And praise the Lord for what we do have. Uh, 33 years, and we've got seven. What the Lord has put in our heart to do, um, already we've had the Bible school with two guys to ordain them, and there's a, another group of 20, 20 sold-out preachers uh, from these islands ready to become pastors. Uh, they just never had anybody ground them or, or train them. They literally got saved uh, somewhere else through their travels or somewhere. They got saved, got on a plane, went back, and just started reaching their people. And um, they met with me. The whole group of 20 of them met with me two years ago and uh, asked me if I could start a, um, a pastor's training school. Now, I, know, I don't know how old you think I am. I'm 28, but I know I, know I look a lot younger than that. Uh, and so uh, what does Kayla Wilson know about being pastor? Uh, before two years ago, absolutely nothing. And so, um, you know, it's just amazing how, how it's worked out. And, and we weren't, able, we weren't um, forced to start by ourselves. We had Brother Amos, uh, who is very, very uh, experienced in um, reaching their culture. Of course, he's one of them. But uh, knowing what to say, knowing what to apply to get their attention. Now, I don't know any of those things culturally. I just know what the Bible says. And so I give him the teaching and he applies it to the local people. And it's just worked super rapid. And uh, the Lord has really given us that kind of template to, uh, for further ministries. And so uh, just in December, we were given some land here. Uh, like I said, there's a church here in this village, and this church gave us some ground to put uh, that uh, Bible school on, the pastor's uh, training uh, facility. And so um, what we're doing is we're in the process of moving to this island. Uh, we'll finish the move next year, and uh, we'll move to this island right here. Um, we will help this church and, and build it back up and lead them and teach them as well as uh, build a Bible school facility um, and then dormitories, uh, guest houses. Uh, it's a huge, huge property that the Lord has blessed us with. And um, we're, we're very, very excited about what the Lord's doing. And so we'll go out there and train as many men as possible um, every four years. Uh, take one of those guys, uh, send the rest out to start churches elsewhere, but I'll take one myself, start a church uh, maybe in this village. Uh, the next four years, start a church in this village. All the while, they are planting churches all over the place. And uh, there'll be one here. There'll be another one up here. Uh, and then there's another island. Uh, there will be one here. Uh, this is what we're looking at. So at the end of this year, uh, there will be seven Baptist churches for 300,000 people scattered throughout 150 islands. And at the end of this year, only two of those islands will have churches on them. All right? Normanby and Ferguson. Well, uh, the vision the Lord has given us in the next 10 years, 
uh, we can bump that up to 17. Um, and if we, if we can get this pastor school started right um, and train these guys efficiently, uh, like we've already done here at East Cape, and we have a guy there, and we have a guy there, um, in the next 10 years, I believe we can have 10 more churches. In the next 20 years, I believe that number can be up to 40 extra. So 17 plus another 40, 57. Uh, now these are conservative numbers. And uh, I'm, I'm a guy that just likes to think logically. Uh, I don't like to guess. You know, I like to know what I'm shooting at. And this is what the Lord's given us. And uh, I just wanted to tell you all, uh, this, is, this is a lot bigger than, you know, some, some dumb kid from Alabama just, you know, you know, wanting to do something for the Lord. It's a lot bigger than, than just me. It's a lot bigger than uh, you guys just wanting to be a blessing to a missionary. Uh, you know, you guys and us, we, we're part of something uh, that's, that's going to last for eternity. And, um, you know, I, Brother Rob spent every dime that he had. Um, he, he, he got sick, wife got sick, and uh, spent himself uh, for these people. And we show up, and it's going so rapid simply because Brother Rob did a lot of the hard digging and a lot of the, uh, the stones overturning and a lot of the, the plowing work. And so we recognize that. And so what, what is happening as we are reaping from that harvest, we're also doing plowing of our own. And so that, you know, in, in 10, 15 years, uh, a lot of the plowing we're doing today will come up and do a harvest. This stuff is going to go on. Now, um, if you were to go to somewhere up here, Mount Hagen, uh, Garoka, that's where most of the missionaries are. And um, there's, I don't know, there's like six, here's Gulf Province. There's six missionaries in Gulf Province right now. I think they've had upwards of 10 in their history. Uh, we've only had four. Milne Bay, we've only had four. I'm the fourth. And none of us have been there at the exact same time. And so uh, that's why the work has just really been slow the last few generations. Uh, but if you were to go up here, you would see, I mean, in some places, uh, it's just like, you know, what you hear of in the States, a, a Baptist church on every corner. Uh, that's how it up is up here because of, of this uh, mindset, this vision that they implemented. And, um, and so I'm, I'm trusting the Lord, and I've got full confidence He can do that here in Milne Bay. And uh, uh, I'm, again, I'm, I'm already seeing fruit from that. It's, it's not going to work. It's already working. Uh, like I said, the Lord's already given us two guys just out of the blue. And uh, these last two years, again, I'm not very experienced. I, I only, I've only lived in Papua New Guinea uh, about four and a half years. Um, and I've pastored the church for uh, almost two years now. And so I'm not super experienced. Uh, and so I had to dive in the scripture. At the same time, I'm trying to teach these guys. I had to dive in the scripture myself. School's on Tuesday. And so Monday, Saturday through Monday, I'm in the book myself just learning uh, what to teach them on Tuesday. And it's, it's just been uh, absolutely life-changing uh, and, and mindset-changing. I went to Papua New Guinea with the, the very small vision, you know, 
um, I'm just going to go start a church and just stay there for 20 years and just look after a group of, you know, six, ten people. And uh, when I saw, again, part of it is the, the, the plowing that Brother Rob did, uh, but when I saw how rapidly it progressed for us, you know, a lot of guys it takes a long time, uh, but praise the Lord, you know, it happened really quickly for us in two years. We were like, well, you know, we did that. We accomplished that vision. We started a church. We led people to the Lord. We turned it over. And so the Lord really said, is this all you want to do? You know, is this, is this really, you want to use your whole life just to do this tiny thing? Or are you going to let me do something? And uh, so I said, Lord, you know, you just show us and direct us. And so that's what he's done um, is uh, we'll move out here. And we'll have that, uh, that Bible school here as well as outreach trips uh, every, every month or every few months, outreach trips to these islands. Um, Brother Peter George is from an island up here called Trobrin. It's kind of shaped like that. There's several around Trobrin Island. We did take a trip up there. I preached for a week and um, I've preached at several islands here. And, uh, but this is where... This is where the Lord has given us the property for the Bible school. And it, it, it's just amazing at, at what the Lord's doing. And so, uh, again, I just really appreciate uh, your part that you all have, have done. Um, when the Lord first gave me this vision, I, I, I just was overwhelmed. And I said, Lord, you know, that's, that's huge. And I don't know any, any way to how to accomplish that. I don't have any trade or anything. I don't have any, of course, money. Uh, I don't have any connections uh, or, or anything like that. I'm not one of the big shot missionaries. I'm just, uh, I'm at the bottom, you know, in every area. And so I said, Lord, if this is going to be done, you've got to do it. And, um, and he has. Uh, the same week after we got back from Normanby Island, that same week, uh, again, the Lord's really starting to introduce this vision to me and uh, show me what He's wanting to do, how big it is, and uh, it's, I'm just thinking how we're going to do this. That same week, uh, Brother Greg called me and said, hey, you know, we've been interested in this for a while. We want to be a blessing to you, and we want to help you. Um, you know, gets, uh, it started out just a way to get power, and then it grew into a container, and then it grew even more. And uh, the youth group got involved, and uh, I tell you, it's just, it's just amazing. And so um, after they tell you the final number, I'll go over everything that, that we were able to, uh, to obtain for uh, the ministry, and even some things in the future we have to put in the container. But uh, again, I just want to say thank you to you all. Um, this, is a, this is an eternal something. Uh, that that it, it will go on. You'll get to heaven one day and there'll be trophies of this. You know, you get a mansion uh, and you'll have shelves full of trophies, people coming up to you, uh, just letting you know how thankful uh, that uh, they are for you all being a part of the ministry here in Milne Bay. And so, again, I just wanted to say thank you to you all. Um, before I get into the, what time do we have to finish? Okay, all right, all right. Um, we, can, uh, we can ask questions after or, okay, all right. 
That's a uh, really rinky-dink drawing of Papua New Guinea. Sorry about that. And so with that, uh, let's move into Luke chapter number 12. And I will try my best to hurry as much as I can through this. Luke chapter number 12, let's go to verse number 16. And I really, really want you to pay attention to what Christ is saying to the disciples as He's speaking this parable here. And uh, I don't want you to look at it as just, you know, a story in the Bible. I want you to put yourself in this story. And I want you to really realize how much this applies to Western culture today. All right? And so we'll get into verse number 16. Uh, the Bible says, And He spake a parable unto them. Now, He's not, he's not talking... <coughs> He's talking to a, a, a group of people, but he's, he's mainly uh, pointing at the disciples, helping them understand that what they are doing is worth something. What they're doing for Christ is worth something, and what they do for the world is not worth anything. All right? And so let's read here. He spake, in a, he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. Okay? Now that applies to all of us. By history standards, nobody in this room would be considered poor. Now, we say we're poor. We say, you know, we're in poverty. The government likes to force that label on us uh, to make us feel sorry for ourselves. Nobody in this room would fit that category of poor. We would all, everybody in here, would fit in that category of bringing forth plentifully. Okay? All right? So you, we are in this category. All right? And he thought within himself, this man that he brought forth plentifully, he thought within himself saying, what shall I do? Because I have no more room. I have no room where to bestow my fruits. Uh, isn't that our culture today? We have so many storage facilities uh, and people making money just so white people, just so uh, Western people can have a space to put all their stuff that they no longer use anymore. And so... That's what this guy was doing. I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, this will I do. I will pull down my barns. So he is destroying things that he probably did not build up. It was probably built up by his father or his grandfather. And he's looking at that saying, that's not good enough anymore. And he's tearing that down and he's going to build up new facilities to house just things, material things, all right? Does that sound familiar to you? He said, this will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, now, that's something he never considered. What did God have to say about what he was doing? That's something that never entered into his mind. He controlled his own life. In his mind, he controlled his own fate. And when he asked permission, he asked himself for permission. He said, I will say unto my soul, I'm going to say to myself, Self, this is what we're going to do. And then God came in and said, Thou fool! This night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. 
God calls this man a fool, not because he was rich, okay? Not because he labored and he built and he, he acquired great fruit. That's not why God called him a fool. God called him a fool because he had all these things and at the same time is not rich toward God. That is why he called him a fool. It's not a sin to be rich. It is a sin to labor to be rich. Yes, the Bible clearly tells us, Christ told us, labor not to be rich. All right, that's a commandment. Now, so it's not a sin to be rich if the Lord puts you on that path. But it is a sin to be rich in worldly things and have zero in your heavenly account. Okay? Do you know you're going to stand before God one day? We forget about this. We trust Christ with our eternity, but we don't trust Him with our day-to-day -day walk. We think that somehow uh, one day in the future after we leave this earth or after the rapture, uh, that that is when our eternity uh, begins and that's when our acquisition of things in eternity will begin. That is too late. Those things are acquired while you are living on this earth. And there's a judgment day coming according to 1 Corinthians chapter number 3 where the Bible says uh, that everybody will stand before God with what they have done in this life. Okay? Now these are all saved people at the judgment seat of Christ. They're all saved people and He will judge our works. But... Brother Caleb, I, we're not saved by works. No, we're not saved by works, but we definitely are rewarded according to our works. And we are, have rewards taken away from us at the lack of our works. Absolutely, 100%. And He will cast everything, everything that we've done in this life for His name will be thrown into a wheelbarrow and throw, pushed into a fiery furnace. Okay, that's in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. It will all be tried by fire. Some will be manifested in gold, silver, precious stones. Okay, those things do not melt. Those things do not burn up. They will st stand the test of that fire. However, some of our works, at least probably most of our works, will be what's called wood, hay, or stubble. Those things are going to be burned up. The Bible says, if we have anything left over after that fire, we shall have a reward. Praise the Lord. But if not, he will be saved. That person will be saved. So we're not losing our salvation even though we did nothing for Christ. If you believe in the blood of Jesus Christ, then you're saved on your way to heaven. And there's nothing, anything you could ever do to get out of that. Praise the Lord for that. That's a, a good doctrine in the scriptures. Uh, however, uh, I'm not telling you He's going to take your heaven away from you. No, but when you get there, you're going to be empty-handed. I absolutely believe that. He says that that person that, does, that only had wood, hay, and stubble, his works will be burned up, and he will be saved, yet so is by fire. He will suffer loss, the Bible says. Now, how long does eternity last? 70 billion years, 70 billion times 70 billion years. When our time on this earth is 70 years, if you're in the States, I don't know, it's up in the 80s here in Australia, life expectancy. And, uh, and so you have less than 100 years, okay? 
less than 100 years compared to 100 billion times 100 billion times 100 billion times 100 billion. And your only opportunity to earn these things, to be rich toward God, is within this time frame right here. That is your only opportunity. And you can neglect this one to provide everything that you could ever want in this one, and you'll get it. The Lord absolutely will let you do that. Absolutely, He will. We see lost people, we see wicked people, filthy rich, have everything they could ever want. Right? Or, you can do what He says to do. He that shall lose his life for my sake, the same shall find it. He that shall save his life, he's going to lose it. And so while you're living on this earth for less than a hundred years, I would rather sacrifice. Now, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be living in a hole. And so our, our idea of sacrifice is completely watered down compared to what they actually faced in Scripture. Nevertheless, I would rather sacrifice as much as I can in this life, uh, want to provide something, uh, want to have a nice job in America, or God can call me to Papua New Guinea to be a missionary. Well, I'm going to say no to that one and follow what God tells me to do, and I just got a couple hundred thousand years of rewards there just by sacrificing a little bit, okay? I still eat, right? I still, I still uh, have, you know, a decent home, uh, still able to, to, you know, afford some things, you know, still able to be taken care of. But I did it God's way, and I sacrificed what I wanted to, and it gained me a little bit. Okay? Uh, I want the, the next iPhone. It comes out, and man, you know, I'm living on the iPhone 8, and uh, I, I, just, I just really, you know, want this thing. And it's not a sin to have that thing, but the Lord lays it on your heart. No, uh, Brother Shemesh has a need in Thailand. I want you to give that few thousand, I don't know how much they are here, uh, what, $1,300. I want you to give that to Brother Shemesh to provide for the ministry there. Now, in three years, four years, you're going to need another iPhone. But you give that money to Brother Shemesh to be used for the gospel, and you just bought yourself another million years of reward there. Do you see that? Just, another, just sacrificing in this life. And when this life is over, you have no more opportunity to develop any of your riches in eternity. And we forget that. We, we have no mindset of that that never enters into our brain because we are controlled. Our eternity, we think, starts after we die or at least the acquisition of things in our eternity. We'll just worry about that when we get there. When you get there, it's too late. Those things have to be done in this life. And we trust Christ with our eternity, but then when it comes to day-to-day -day needs that are so much smaller than our eternity, we're still trusting the world. The world says you have to do this. The world says you have to go in debt up to your eyeballs every five years just to keep up with the latest vehicle. That's what the world says, and we follow it blindly. Do you see that? I'm telling you, it's possible and it is commanded that not only you trust Christ with your eternity, you trust Christ today with your day-to-day -day needs. I want us to keep reading. Um, let's look at verse number 22. And he said unto his disciples, 
Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life. Does that mean we're just supposed to ride around in the car without a seatbelt and just not care? No, that's stupidity. That's not faith. Take no thought for your life what ye shall eat. Neither for the body what ye shall put on. Now, our Western culture hates thinking this way. I live in Papua New Guinea in the jungle, and my flesh hates thinking this way. You know, we just have rice and fish. Every day we have rice and fish, rice and fish, rice and fish. I'm tired of eating rice and fish, and I just want to go down to Mecca's and get a hamburger, all right? And I don't have a Mecca's anywhere close. There's none in Papua New Guinea. As soon as we get off the plane, every time we come to Brisbane, that's the first place we go to. There's one, there's one right beside uh, the airport. You have whatever you want to. Subway, Maccas, Hungry Jacks, all inside, wrapped up into one store. And that's a blessing. But he says, take no thought what ye shall eat. Look at this, or what you shall put on. Verse 23. The life is more than meat. The life is more than meat. And that is what we live for. Why do we want to have a nice job? Why do, what, praise the Lord, you, you get a nice job and you, you acquire a nice house. And then what? Are you satisfied? Do you suddenly stop buying the rest of your life? No. You go and, hey, Tab and I, we do it uh, whenever we can, every couple years or so. Uh, we go out to a nice, you know, steakhouse, get a really nice steak, and, and it's a blessing, you know, being able to just, uh, you know, enjoy a nice meal. But that 100 bucks we spent on food, the next, the next three hours we're going to be hungry again. And we forget all about it. When that 100 bucks can be spent... Again, in Philippines, uh, in Western Australia. And we can just sacrifice. You know what? I can just make a little bit. $100. $100. You can make that back up several times over. And we, just, and we just gained another couple hundred years of riches from this one. You can sacrifice this one. And have whatever you want to in this life. And God will let you do that. I, I, I'm, I, it's, it is hypocrisy and it is deceptive for people to say that people that leave the church are just going to end up in squalor. That's hardly ever the case. Now I've seen that happen, especially when they get out in drugs. That's hardly the case. A lot of times they do indeed get richer physically. But what are they losing? A hundred million years they just threw in the toilet just so they can have a little bit here. Whereas we can do some sacrificing here. I would rather lose this one. You know, do you, heaven is more of a reality than you and I sitting in this room. Do you know that? Eternity the spiritual world, God, His millennial kingdom, His eternal kingdom, all of that is more of a reality than you and I in this room. Do you understand that? 
somehow we got we have it in our mind that after we die that the that the physical realm is just taken away and we just float around on a cloud for all of eternity and uh, playing rugby and, and doing whatever. And that is so far from the truth. You and I now, now I'm, I don't want to dive off into some some deep stuff. Uh, you and I, we exist in three dimensions, right? Uh, length, width, height. Uh, the Bible, you know, they talk about the fourth dimension and all that scientific weird stuff. The Bible says, if you're going to understand God, He said, I want you to understand what is the length, width, depth, and height. That's four dimensions. There is, there is everything that we have now in eternity, Plus, stuff we cannot even imagine that's going to be there as well. You will have your physical body in eternity, eventually. You will have your physical body. You will have your emotions, your likes, dislikes. You will have everything that makes you who you are will still be intact, only an added something on top of that. You understand that? I don't know that's a little bit weird. Uh, the Bible says that this mortal shall put on immortality, that this body shall be changed. He does not take my body away. He transforms my body. And when Christ, after He rose up from the grave, that's the kind of body that we will have. After He rose up from the grave, uh, people could see Him. He could pass through walls. Oh, it's weird to think about. That's in the Scripture. He would disappear and reappear somewhere else. He ate. He enjoyed everything that he enjoyed before he died. Only now he was a whole lot. He was much different, much better. A, a glorified body he had. And that's what you're talking about. Your existence in eternity. And you, you will be able to enjoy things. Alright? But if you, you only focus on this one. You're throwing Everything you could enjoy, all of your riches in eternity, you're throwing it in the rubbish bin. The life is more than meat. Let's keep reading quickly. And the body is more than raiment. Let's skip down to verse number 28. If then God so clothed the grass, which is today in the field, we cut grass, we chop it up, and every day God clothes it again. We would never go out there and, and buy a Louis Vuitton suit and go and lay it on the grass and just to make sure our, our grass you know, looks nice and cozy. We didn't do that. God does that. He makes sure He puts a pair of clothes on it every single day. And we chop it up, and then He clothes it again which is today in the field and tomorrow cast in the oven. How much more will He clothe you, O ye of little faith? And seek not ye what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, neither be of doubtful mind. For all these, in that doubtful mind, you know what it comes from? I believe Jesus Christ died on the cross. He rose from the dead. And I believe Him as sufficient salvation. And uh, I call upon Him as my Savior. And I trust Him. But when He tells you to give your last $150 to the church to be used for the gospel, and you have your uh, phone bill coming up, or you have your electric bill, or uh, you, know, you haven't bought groceries yet for that week, and you're struggling, that is of a doubtful mind. Okay? When He leads you to do that, 
Now, if he doesn't lead you, you don't have to do anything. But when he leads you to do that, he starts to deal with your heart and, and, and push you and say, hey, you know, this is, this is something I want to use you to do. If you don't do it, you're of a doubtful mind. And we believe what he says about salvation and eternity and payment for sins that cost an infinite amount for him, his own blood, but we don't believe him when he says, you give to me, I will give back to you. It's very simple. Give and it shall be given. We don't believe that. We're of a doubtful mind. All right? You know what he told the disciples? Now their doctrine that he taught them was, again, these are, these are poor men. When they got saved, they gave up everything and only followed Christ, only did ministry. All right? They didn't have evangelistic outreaches to where people just started giving money to them. They had to just rely on Christ for everything. And so what little bit they had, they had one shirt and one jacket and that was it. Keep them warm. Christ told them, you remember what he said? If a man comes and sues you at the law, trying to take away your cloak, or to take away your coat, he says, not only are you to submit and give him that, you're supposed to give him your cloak also. Give him the jacket too. And we get of a doubtful mind. We, sometimes we, we just don't believe him. Do you believe Him? Do you believe that, that this Word of God is the truth from start to finish? Everything in here is 100% fact. Do you believe it? Then when He says, you're going to face a judgment seat one day and everything you do in this tiny little life, will all of your eternal reward will depend on what you do today. If we really believed it, I think we'd act a little different. I'm telling you today, I'm 28 years old. I'm 28 years old. I gave my life to, I, I got saved when I was young. And I went to government school. I grew up in a broken home. You can give me every excuse in the book and it would fit me uh, why I couldn't serve God. And yet, I made a decision. You know what? I, I just want to give the Lord a chance. I wasn't so sure myself that it would work out, but I at least gave Him a chance. And He provided and I took another step, and he provided. And when I was 18, I had a scholarship to university and uh, wanted to become a big, you know, big shot engineer. And hey, that's a blessing. We need a lot of those, all right? We need a lot of those in the church. But for me personally, the Lord said, no, I want to use you as a missionary in Papua New Guinea. And I said, okay, well, I'll do that. You know, I'll go to university, get my degree, work a few years. And when I'm 30 years old, after I made a lot of money, then I'll quit my job and I'll use all that money I made for the mission, for the ministry. And that's a good plan. Hey, that's a, that's a good goal unless the Lord tells you no. Okay? Very, very good to be thinking that way. If that's in your heart and the Lord is leading you to do that, I say jump on board and do that with all your might. For me personally, the Lord said, no, I don't want you at 30. I want you today at 18 years old to surrender to be a missionary to Papua New Guinea. And it was hard because I, I, I never knew money. I never knew anything. Uh, and I knew the struggle that my mom suffered and I never wanted to be part of that struggle. And I said, Lord, you're, you're telling me to give up every ounce of security that I have. 
And the Lord showed me in my heart, yeah, that's exactly what I'm asking you to do, to trust me and not to trust anything else. And it took a, took a little bit, uh, and I had surrendered, uh, threw my scholarship in the, in the rubbish, and uh, continued in Bible school. Uh, went on my first trip when I was 20 to Papua New Guinea, and um, met my wife there, uh, started deputation, and, and step by step, the Lord has proven Himself. And I'm telling you today, I, all of my dreams that I had when I was a teenager, I have not gotten to live one of them except for travel the world, okay? Travel the world and marry a pretty girl, okay? That's my two dreams. And I'm telling you, from a guy that, that the, by God's grace, I was able to do this, that it's worth it. I'm having the most fun I could ever have. I used to be really envious, and I used to be kind of bitter. Even I'm walking with the Lord and obeying the Lord, I used to be kind of bitter. Lord, why'd you make me do this and everybody else can just do what they want to do? I used to be like that. Even sitting in Papua New Guinea preaching the gospel every day, I go back home and lay in bed at night thinking, you know, I should be out there making money and putting my family in a nice home, not sitting here and this and, and putting up with this health issue and all this stuff. I'm telling you, today, I'm no longer in that mindset. The, the Lord gave a lot of grace and, and helped me through all of that. And I'm, I would never, I, if I had a thousand more lifetimes to go back and redo it, I promise, I know people say this, I promise you can put me on a lie detector. I would do it a thousand times over again and I would give even more than what I gave. All right? It's worth it. I believe what this book says when it tells me that what I do in this little bit of time that I have is going to give me billions of years of great riches in glory. I believe Him when He said it, and I'm going to do it, and I'm anticipating a payday coming, all right? Now, of course, uh, our number one reason we do things, we do it because we love the Lord. And at the same time, the Lord said, Lay not up for yourself treasures on earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, thieves break through and steal. I, have, I could have the nicest uh, Mercedes Benz in the whole world in Papua New Guinea, and guess what? Somebody's going to come and jack it. <laughs> but he says, Rather lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. That is a command. All right? Last verse, verse 30. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after. Put you, I want you to compare yourself to what Christ said and what the world is doing. And most of us, if you we're honest with ourselves, most ministers, most preachers, most Christians would line up with these people, the nations of the world seek after these things. Like they do it this way. And we do it that way. Christ says, not to. And your Father knoweth that ye have need of these things, but rather seek ye the kingdom of God. What's he say? Rather seek ye the kingdom of God. He says, labor, exhaust yourself for the kingdom of God. And you'll have to be poor the rest of your life. Is that what he says? And you'll have to hunger and you'll have to starve the rest of your life. No, he says all these things will be added unto you. So the world, the world works hard and, and they, get, they get everything they need, okay? 
They get everything they need. They work hard to get everything they need. And they serve themselves. But with God, they get nothing. Okay? They get nothing. God says, if you do it His way, you get Him, and you also get all these things that you have in your daily life. And so you're not choosing one or the other. You're choosing to have either one or both. And I'd rather have both, wouldn't you? You have, uh, you have uh, two job offers. You have two job offers. Uh, one is for $60,000 a year, and the other one is for $90,000 a year. In the world, they would tell you, uh, take the one with $90,000 a year because uh, it pays more. That's what they base everything on. Now, can you survive on 60? Can you? Absolutely. You, you, instead of going to Macca's five times a week, you can only have go three times a week. But you can survive, right? <laughs> what the world doesn't pay attention to is that $90,000 a year, you got to work seven days a week, ignore your kids all day, and your kids are never going to grow up with dad in the house or mom in the house, and they're always going to be raised by a daycare or a babysitter or an auntie or uncle or grandmother uh, that does not have the energy that they once had to instill and enforce the biblical principles in this scripture. And so your child grows up a little bit distant from the parents, only knowing the influence from somebody from outside the home, and they grow up to do whatever they want to do. And then mama and daddy say, well, I wonder why that happened. When we could take a $60,000 a year job and work five days a week, be home by 5 o'clock in the afternoon every day, be off on Sundays, have time to go to the kids' ball games, have time to spend devotional times with the family, and we took a pay cut, but my goodness, in 20 years, we're not looking around for our children with uh, the police force wondering where they are and why they went wrong, okay? That, makes, that just makes sense to me, Okay? To do it God's way, I may have to take a little bit of a pay cut. I mean, I definitely am not making nearly as much as a missionary as you could as an engineer. However, as an engineer, I would have a lot of this and I would have nothing. But as a missionary, I still get quite a bit of this and I have everything. That just makes sense to me. And so with that, I will finish um, life is more than meat. The life, our life, our, our life, our existence on this planet is more than just the food we consume. That's going to be another need in a few hours. Whereas just one moment, one moment of sacrifice for the Lord, just one, and all this, you just built up a trophy shelf full of stuff. That's never going to be corrupted and it's never going to fade away. Everywhere you go, it's going to follow you in eternity. Did everybody understand that today? Lord, I praise you. I thank you for all your many blessings. I thank you, God, for loving me. Uh, I thank you, Lord, for your, for your word. God, uh, a lot of dark times, Lord, and your word was the only thing that was stable. And I just really appreciate you helping us, uh, being with us. 
And I pray, God, you touch the hearts of us today and help us again to uh, put these truths uh, to the test. We love you, Lord, and thank you for all your many blessings. Help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right.